Hello and welcome to the MGMA Insider Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams. Today I'm joined by Mark Davis, CEO of Wasatch Pediatrics. Uh, Mark is speaking at MGMA 19, the Operations Conference, which will be held April 14th through, through 16th in Austin, Texas. Mark will be speaking there on behavioral health integration. Mark, thanks for joining our podcast today. Yeah, happy to. Now, if you have just a moment, please tell our audience about your background in healthcare and medical practices. Sure. Um, hard to believe, but I've worked in healthcare now for about 25 years. Kind of makes me think, geez, I'm getting old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and in medical group practices, specifically for about, for most of that, for probably 21 or 22 years out of that. So lots of time with, with medical groups. It's all been in uh, primary care with a fair amount of it being specifically in pediatrics. Okay. Now, in researching your session on uh, behavioral health integration, uh, I ran across a statistic that really got my attention. Um, it was from the write-up mm -hmm. on your session. It said mm -hmm. that up to 70% of primary care visits are for psychosocial issues. Um, I saw that number. It absolutely just blew me away. Uh, if you could tell us what is the root cause of these issues and, and what can practices do to integrate behavioral health programs to help treat patients? Yeah, that is the big and pressing question, isn't it? So, so there was a study done in 2008 that indicated that up to 70%, as you mentioned, of, of primary care visits can, can be traced back to psychosocial issues. And what we have learned in pediatrics particularly from another study done um, called ACEs, which stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences Study, is that there's a really strong relationship um, between significant sort of health issues and early social and psychological problems with children. So when we look at things like substance abuse and depression, even like heart disease, um, STD, smoking, suicide, all that kind of thing. A lot of it can be traced to adverse childhood events, um, which is really sobering because, you know, that's common. And while, while all of us have, uh, have things that, that weren't particularly uh, fun or great in our, in our childhood, some of them uh, make a lifelong sort of impression on our overall health. And that's what we've learned. And that's why we feel, particularly in pediatrics, but in all of primary care, if we can intervene and do a little bit more with, with some of our behavioral health needs, that maybe we can make a dent in, in that problem. Mm -hmm. Well, let me ask you then, um, we're talking about pediatrics there. That 70% number, does that, so is that across the board? Is that when children come to visits? Is it for adults? Is it, does, it, does it change over time? Do we see that number go up or down? I'm not sure of the specifics, but I know that it's broad. So it's not just children, it's adults as well. And so it's across the spectrum. And I'm not sure if it, if it does change over time. Um, I have some uh, co-presenters, one of them being our behavioral health director, who would know a little bit more about that and that we'll probably cover in the presentation but I know that it's um, across the spectrum. So you are gonna be speaking at MGMA 19, the operations conference, uh, Monday, April 15th in Austin, Texas. If you could, please tell our audience what they could expect to learn from your presentation. And uh, if you don't mind a little bit about your 
uh, co-presenters? Sure. Yeah, you bet. So our hope uh, down in Austin is is to present a couple of things. One of one of the big ones is how we have been able to integrate behavioral health into our practice. Um, it's been an evolution over quite a few years, and we've learned a lot as we've gone, and and we continue to learn a lot. Um, we also hope to um, get very specific on things like suicide prevention and what we're finding as far as when we do this integration and when we do some specific interventions like suicide screening, what that means and how there can be particular outcomes. Um, so we want to make it, you know, pressing and something that uh, people can can take back to their own practices, particularly primary care, but really this can can apply to any medical group practice. My co-presenters are, as I mentioned, Dan Braun, who's our Director of Behavioral Health in the practice, and he's great. He is a licensed therapist, and he joined us several years ago um, and has just done a phenomenal job for us. And then the other presenter is our current president of our group, uh, Kathy Osler, who's one of our physicians. And Kathy has a particular particular interest in medical home and how uh, medical home coordination comes into play with behavioral health. And they're very uh, they're very joined. Um, they're important to each other. So, so I think it'll be a really good presentation. We're certainly hoping so, and we're excited to be there. If you don't mind for a mo moment, I know uh, medical home may be Kathy's purview, but what can you tell our audience about that? What's, what does that mean exactly? Sure, sure. So medical home is a term that's been phrased, um, again, particularly for primary care offices, where there's a certain set of um, sort of standards or expectations that a primary care practice establishes some things that truly do make that practice a patient's home, if you will, for medical needs and for behavioral health needs. So, so rather than say, have your primary care split among, you know, an urgent care center and once in a while an ER, and then you come in and see your family practice doc for whatever, this is an approach where it's 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 more integrated and it's a it's something where we try to convey we are your base come to us first let us help coordinate your care let us get you to the right people if it's something that we can't handle um, let us take some um, oh let us try to be a little insightful as far as what your needs might be in the future so we're going to be reaching out to you to make sure you're in for your annual physicals or to make sure you're not missing some immunizations. Um, we want to hear back from you so it's a collaborative re relationship. So it kind of takes that, that primary care practice kind of to a next level, if you will. Okay. Now, I wanted to return to that statistic. We, we were talking about it, that up to 70% of primary care visits are for psychosocial issues. Um, we were talking about that. We've identified that there is there's a real problem there. There's a there's a uh, a problem, and there's also an opportunity for medical practices to address that. Sure, and that's and there's a wide spectrum of things that that practices can do, and it can vary anywhere from kind of on one end of the spectrum. Maybe you have a a relationship with a community therapist or a community psychologist or psychiatrist even 
where you can refer people and you have a nice exchange of information, you're receiving information back and that kind of thing. And it can go all the way to uh, an integration where you've got providers in-house that are working very closely with your physicians and, um, and, and handle the, the patient together. So there's a lot of different models and in the presentation we're gonna cover those. And again, we kind of like to look at it on a spectrum or a kind of a continuum of options. And we have, um, we've explored a number of those and, and they each have kind of pros and cons and, and fit a little differently depending on the situation. Uh, but we're finding that, that having providers in-house with certain expectations and, and being truly integrated with our traditional medical providers is really important. We're also finding that, uh, especially looking at that through that medical home lens, that patients are more comfortable receiving behavioral health care services in their primary care physician's office. And this is particularly true, I think, for kids. They're familiar with the office. It's not threatening. I think there's a little less sort of stigma. You know, we hope there's not a lot of stigma around mental health anymore, but unfortunately, I think there is sometimes. And so coming to your regular doctor's office for that kind of care lessens that and maybe reduces a little bit of the anxiety associated with it. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm sure there, you, you've talked about it. There, there are different models out there, but what does a, a typical, I don't know if there is a typical one, but a mm -hmm. typical behavioral health model or program look like? What, what is, what is sure. it? How do we define that? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, and again, can be fairly broad. There's two avenues to, to behavioral health. One is kind of the, the prescriber model where you have someone that's kind of in the, in the role of, of like psychiatry where um, there may be patients that have a need for medication and these providers are specifically trained or have a lot of knowledge or background in prescribing medications for mental health issues. And then kind of the other route, and, and, so, and these overlap, some providers can do both, but the other route is, is therapy. So it may or may not be combined with medication, um, but therapists can, can obviously have sessions with patients where they go through and provide tools and those things that we know that, that are associated with therapy. So there's kind of those two avenues. And I think optimally what we've discovered is if you have both of those available in your office, that's the ideal. And, it, and kind of it, it depends on, on your physician's comfort level with prescribing psychiatric meds, right? Um, mm -hmm. some, of them, some of them have a pretty high threshold and some of them have a lower threshold. So that kind of depends, but having both of those options uh, available, we think is pretty important. Right. And I wanted to go back to something you had mentioned earlier. You had mentioned there are pros and cons to that. And so I wanted to follow up. Could you give our audience uh, some ideas or some examples of what those pros and cons are of uh, integrating a program? Sure. Um, the, the, the pros are probably obvious. We have, we have better outcomes with patients. We have, like I mentioned, that comfort level with receiving those services within their their medical home office or their primary care office. Um, so those are the biggest pros. We just think it's better care. It takes a burden off of those uh, providers or those physicians. Um, you know, sometimes we find that 
a physician goes into an appointment and this is well known in the industry and it's a 10 minute you know straightforward sick visit say they go in there and then it turns out that there's a lot of other problems and maybe there's a a major depression going on or something that takes a lot more time um, and, and those can be difficult for physicians and so um, a pro certainly is having the resource in the office that you could refer those people to and not have to spend all that time and kind of sync your whole schedule for the day. On the con side, there, there's a number of things that I think you have to be concerned about. One is financial. Can we afford doing this? If we have, say, a therapist in-house, how is this therapist going to be paid? How are we going to get reimbursed for the care that that person is uh, providing? And it kind of depends on your, your payer mix and if those payers are willing to put these folks on their panels, what those reimburse rates, reimbursement rates look, look like. You know, we've had to sit down and, and figure out, all right, how many therapy sessions would it take to pay this person's salary? And so is that an expectation that we have? And then extra time beyond that, maybe they're just being part of the practice and can, can visit with providers and be available for urgent needs otherwise. But so those are, those are some of the cons, certainly, is, is the financial thing. And sometimes it boils down to also to, to space and uh, those sort of other physical requirements that can be difficult. So I think those are probably the two big ones. Right. And you were talking about having a, a therapist on site. Um, organizationally or culturally, because you've been through this, um, are there best practices? Because I, I, I'm just trying to... Uh, help the audience see if they're sitting there going, wow, I see the need for it, but my gosh, how, how do I, how do I go about doing this? I don't know that we have the right people or culture in place mm -hmm. or are there mm -hmm. some best practices there? I think there are. And, and I, and you, and you hit, you hit a, an issue right on the head. You know, for me as an administrator working in medical practices all these years, I had very little uh, exposure to mental health. And so when it came to, oh, you know, we want to hire a therapist, I had to think, good grief, where do we start? Mm -hmm. um, having a, a director like we do now has made a huge difference. And of course, the size of our practice has allowed that. Smaller practices wouldn't be able to necessarily have a director to coordinate everything. But I think just putting your foot in the water a little bit getting some feelers out there, speaking with some community therapists and some other behavioral health providers that may be in the community that you normally refer to, and kind of exploring the issue is probably a good first step. Um, you, 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 know, you can look at the MGMA uh, data reports on compensation to see how much you'd have to pay like a therapist or maybe a nurse practitioner that's specifically trained in psychiatry to see how much that's going to cost. But I think sometimes it's just putting your feelers out and talking to people. And we hope that our presentation will provide a little bit of that information as well so that people aren't, aren't as uh, feeling like they're out on, on their own, kind of in the woods, trying to figure out how to get this thing started. Mm -hmm. Now, do you have an example of a practice that um, either your own or one that you, maybe you've consulted on where you, you've seen that successful integration of a behavioral health model, and, and what does that look like? We have, we have, and, and that's the nice thing, is it's when you see that success, it drives you 
drives you on and feel like, you know, you can do this. So a couple of things. One, uh, probably seven years ago, one of our offices hired um, a provider who had an unusual background. He's a PhD psychologist and he's also a licensed physician assistant. So he's one of these rare folks that can prescribe medication and is also trained heavily on the therapy side. Um, at that point, we had, let's see, we had seven different offices and only two of the offices were willing to take the risk to hire this individual and give it a shot. So that kind of tells you there was some reticence there. But we hired him and what we have found is that it was just a huge success. There was this huge need and, and the bad side of it was that this person filled up so quickly that the number of people being helped was just limited. Um, there were only so many that he could see in a day, and uh, and that created our problem. Is okay, how many how many therapists or prescribers are we going to have to hire to to fill this need? So we decided to do something a little bit different. And here's the second example: we have another office who has hired, let's see, two therapists who are actually licensed social workers, and they provide limited therapy. What we decided is that these folks could provide, say, up to five or six sessions, depending on, on the need of the patient. And if they needed care beyond that, they were going to refer them out to community providers. This office, in addition, is having um, child psychiatry fellows who are completing their fellowship at the University of Utah rotating through as a uh, as their community sort of continuity clinic and they can handle some of the prescribing issues by I hate to be so long-winded here but by um, limiting the therapist sessions to, to five or six per and only so many per day that leaves them with some time where they can be av available to consult with our physicians to be pulled into an urgent situation say there's a patient who you know heaven forbid they're they're suicidal or something that they can be pulled in and help provide tools and resources that way and we're finding that that kind of integration is working really well in that office and that we're probably able to um, care for more kids compared to the traditional model like we did before where you bring a therapist in-house or, or a prescriber and, and they you know, just see kids all day long and, and go, go from there. So those are two examples that have worked well for us kind of in different ways. Thanks for that. Um, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share with the audience about behavioral health in general or behavioral health integration in a, in a medical practice? Sure. You know, what I've realized in the last probably five, 10 years is that behavioral health needs in a medical practice are becoming more and more present. Um, the pediatricians here sort of have a little, it's almost like a little joke that they have become um, pediatric psychiatrists in a way that that isn't necessarily what they trained for, but just the nature of the beast is that a lot of these kids have these, these needs. When you look at things like ADHD and anxiety and depression, there's just a lot of, of kids with those needs and they're spending a lot of time on it. So whether we like it or not, those of us in these, uh, in these primary care and even other specialty arenas, we just know that behavioral health, mental health needs are part of the game now. And so I think we need to, to retool 
and figure out how we can best serve uh, serve our patients in this realm. Well, that's great. Um, Mark, thanks so much for joining the podcast today. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for visiting with me. Thanks again to Mark Davis, CEO of Wasatch Pediatrics. As a reminder, Mark will be speaking at the MGMA 19, the Operations Conference. He'll be speaking Monday, April 15th, and the conference is being held in Austin, Texas. Uh, you can learn more about the conference or register at mgma.com events. Thanks again for being an MGMA Insider. I'm Daniel Williams.